think this is one actually really important thing for folks who are newer in community to understand. Um, you can do as much programming as you want to um, based on what you think is right, but you will never be more successful unless you ask your community what they want before you actually do the programming. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I would highly recommend like as you're starting your, your community program or even just like thinking about starting one, start with customer interviews, as many as you can possibly do uh, that feels like feasible for your, your time. That was Marcy Walker. She's the head of community engagement at GatherRound, a startup that is building fun new online events platform that makes virtual events actually fun. I have used it and you can also use it for your community using the link in the show notes below. In this episode, Marcy shares all the lessons she has learned in building herself a career in community. We talk about how her work has changed as she has gone from community manager at meetup.com to a senior programs manager at Fiverr to head of community engagement now at GatherRound. Community is fascinating to me because your role is very much dependent on what your community needs um, rather than your title. And so not only has my role changed, but the actual programming for the communities that I've worked for has changed drastically as well. We'll talk about how her work today at GatherRound is structured and what it looks like. Now it's Wednesday. It is, say, 3 p.m. on a Wednesday. What are you up to? One of two things. I'm either meeting with a customer and going over their quarterly review, which is basically like going over all the ways they use GatherRound in that quarter and like strategizing what they're going to do the next quarter. Or I am building out a GatherRound conversation for one of our GatherRound resource groups. How she went from being a GatherRound fan to the head of community engagement at GatherRound. I started using GatherRound while I was working at Fiverr. I demoed GatherRound in like March of 2020. Um, the person who was doing the demos at the time is our CEO, Lisa Kahn. Um, and just like instantly fell in love with her. She's such a fantastic person. And so honestly, this part was luck, but they started hiring about a year after um, I started using GatherRound. And by that point, Lisa and I were so close that we ended up like writing the job description together. And um, wow. that became my job, which yeah, it was it <laughs> honestly felt like a fairy tale when it was happening. We'll also talk about her transition from working in customer support to community. So I ended up taking a role there that was honestly like a bit of a pay decrease. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. It was a support, um, a support team member, but I knew that it was going to expose me to like an ecosystem of community organizers that I really wanted to be closer to. Finally, she will share advice for community professionals including why she thinks it's important not to be afraid of reaching out to people. This interview is densely packed with insights. So whether you're looking for your first community role or growing as a community manager, I am sure that you will have a lot that you can learn from Marcy. So enjoy. Hey, welcome to Beginner Maps, where we showcase stories of scary career pivots so that you get the courage, path, and role models to carve out a career that you love. 
welcome to the show, Mashi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I know I'm I've said glad. this to you before, but yeah. I think what you're doing with this podcast is so smart because the community industry is relatively new. Um, and so I can understand why it would be really hard to understand how to like break into that industry. So thank you both for doing this. Thank you so much for coming here. Uh, I know that you have a lot of uh, like experience of giving advice to people reaching out to you about how to uh, break in and uh, how to get their community jobs and, you know, career advice like that. So maybe this episode will help you have a reference point to just forward uh, anybody who reaches out to you about advice like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're helping <laughs> me build a scalable resource to do that. So <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> Love it. Okay, um, now, uh, let's start by talking about your, uh, like a broad idea of your, you know, different career journey. So uh, you have gone from a community manager role to a senior programs community manager role and now to the head of community engagement. How has your work changed in these roles? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so community is fascinating to me because your role is very much dependent on what your community needs um, rather than your title. Um, at least that's what I've experienced. And so not only has my role changed, but the actual programming for the communities that I've worked for has changed drastically as well. Um, so at Meetup, which is where I got my start in community, um, we were essentially like building out a decentralized training program. Um, and in that role, I was very much like the, the doer. Like I was actually creating the applications for um, the community organizers. And I was um, like talking to them on a daily basis. Um, and then, you know, like the, the people who were higher up, like the head of community was doing more of the strategic planning. Um, when I moved into Fiverr, it was kind of a blend of those two. So um, I was planning the programs, but I was also doing a lot of the on the ground work to actually communicate with the organizers. Um, and then at Gatheround as head of, head of community engagement, um, I'm, I'm still talking to a lot of people. I think like even no matter where you are in your community journey, uh, you still need to be talking to the end user as much as possible. So you are like constantly building up your customer empathy. Um, but I'm doing a lot more of the strategic planning um, rather than the like actual event organizing, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense a lot. Um, so uh, curious, which part do you enjoy more? The uh, strategic planning part or the doing part? Oh, that's a good question. I, I mean, I think right now I got really lucky because Gatheron is a very small company. We're 16 people. Um, and so even though like I do have a head of community title, I'm still doing a lot of like the community organizing as well. Um, so I actually love the blend of those two. Uh, and like I said, because I'm still talking to the end user a lot, um, it actually makes the strategic planning part easier um, because it's there's no like loss of communication between those two um, those two roles, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna cheat on that answer and say both. But I, I think I think if I had to choose one, um, probably the strategic planning, just because I love to see um, all of the customer feedback that we're getting constantly, like come together and culminate in uh, this programming that we're really proud to put on uh, for our community. Right. And uh, you also mentioned some, uh, something interesting that um, not only has your role changed, but uh, like due to the title of the role, but the community itself was different at all of these three uh, companies. And that has also been a major part of the uh, the work that you do. So 
Can you speak yeah. a little bit about the uh, the community and how they gather at each of these three uh, companies? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so Meetup was a really different one because Meetup is obviously like very, um, very focused on in real life interactions. And so when we were building out our community there, we knew that the need was for new organizers to um, learn really quickly how to organize a, a meetup group effectively. Um, but the way we did that was by training organizers who had been at it for a while. Like they were already experts at community organizing. We were just giving them the content um, and the authority to then go out and train new organizers in their prospective cities. Um, but it was in person. So we were dealing with venues constantly. We were dealing with like actually scheduling um, you know, like catering and all that kind of stuff, as well as making sure that it was like a welcoming space for uh, the new org organizers to come into. Um, at Fiverr, it was much more focused around like, you know, these freelancers are making a living on the platform. So their main focus is making sure that they're doing their job well and learning what they need to know about the platform um, to be really effective in marketing themselves. Um, and so a lot of our events focused on, um, you know, creating your personal brand or, um, you know, how to do your taxes as a freelancer, like really niche um, challenges that they were going through. Um, and at first we did that in person, which to be honest, was a lot more limiting because I think what that community ended up needing was um, people who were similar to them, which can be tough to do when you're also factoring in geography. So, I mean, this feels bizarre to say, but COVID actually helped that community a lot because it forced me to shift all of our in-person events to virtual. Um, and that made it much more possible for like voiceover artists to meet each other no matter where they were in the world. Um, and so they were in turn getting like a much more valuable virtual event experience because they were talking to exactly who they needed to talk to that had similar challenges to them and who also had similar successes that they could share. Um, so in, in that vein, I guess the takeaway from that is like, when you're thinking about your community, kind of understand exactly the challenge they need and who they need to talk to to get the answer. Um, and that can help you determine, you know, if you're having an in-person event, a, a virtual event and like, what segment of the community you're bringing together, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And and what about Gather Round? How is the community at oh, Gather yeah, Round sorry. gathering? That's the important one, right? Um, yeah. So it Gather Round um, was well, actually funny because Gather Round helped me uh, learn that about Fiverr. So I started using Gather Round. And also, sorry, for those who don't know, um, Gather Round is a platform to connect, engage, and develop uh, your employees. Um, but it's also fantastic for communities as well. And so I started using GatherRound uh, as a way to connect to the Fiverr community. And it's just fantastic at actually structuring conversations um, and being really intentional with guiding conversations for participants, even if you're not like in the breakout room with them. Um, and so it was really instrumental in helping me like gather certain aspects or certain segments of the community to help them have like fantastic conversations. Um, but similarly, with the gather on community, we um, mainly work with people teams or like learning and development teams. Um, and those, you know, those segments also have really specific challenges, um, like intern program managers and uh, onboarding managers and L&D managers, like they all 
have specific goals for their teams. And so what we're doing now is similar to what we did at Fiverr. We're putting them in um, small groups um, based on their roles at their company and making sure that they have really uh, intentional conversations about their challenges and, um, and questions that they have. Um, we're taking it a step further with gather on those. So we're having these like live virtual events, um, and then also giving them a space to connect asynchronously between events, um, in these smaller groups, we're calling them gather on resource groups because they're kind of adjacent to like employee resource groups, which is a term that a lot of HR folks are familiar with. Um, so that's, that's been fantastic so far. We're really excited to build that out even more, um, which I think is another, sorry, I'm rambling at this point, but um, I, I do think one of the other things to think about as you're building out your community programming is, you know, what terminology and what structures are going to resonate with your audience. Um, so like I mentioned, in this case, we are selling into a HR audience. Um, those people are already familiar with employee resource groups, like that structure and that um, value already clicks in their brain is this is, you know, this is a necessity uh, for our employees to be successful. So why wouldn't it be a necessity for me to be successful? Um, and so I think when you have to do less work explaining your value proposition, because it's already obvious, it becomes a lot easier to get people involved in your community. Right. This is fascinating. I love how your um, experience has, you know, taken you through a range of communities. Um, one of the most fascinating things that I found about your experience is that you have worked with both in-person uh, communities and virtual communities. So um, do you feel mm. like at, like the work that you did uh, at in-person and virtual, like they were like, how, how similar would you say uh, it was? <laughs> um, is it like completely point. different, like building a community in person versus? Yeah, yeah, no, it's a great question. I, I mean, I think the end goal is the same, right? So you're you're connecting people to give them value. Like at the end of the day, that is how we view like our our role as community managers. Yeah. Um, but what about however, the day to day? Yeah, yeah I, I think the way you spend your time is very different when you're doing in person versus virtual events. Um, for, I'm sure this is different for everybody, but for me, it felt like when I was planning in-person events, I was spending a lot of time on the logistics. And for virtual events, you have the luxury of not having as many logistics. And so you're spending more time on the content. Um, and when I say content, I mean like the actual like makeup of the event, the way it's structured, uh, what you want people to get out of it. Um, and and like who you're connecting as well. You get to put more thought into that because you have the entire world to work with versus one geographic location. Um, I will also mention the cost is significantly lower. Um, so if you're a small company starting out in community, I would highly recommend starting with virtual events. Um, I mean, you can always do a blend as well. It doesn't have to be like black and white one or the other. Um, but I, I will say like virtual events are a lot more accessible um, for both the company putting them on and the community who's attending. Yeah, I like how this, uh, like your summary there, how virtual events are just so much uh, easier to put up and so much more cost effective. Um, mm -hmm. I, I feel that uh, being uh, like the COVID pandemic and the transition that it has brought into um, making virtual events more 
like okay in the in our culture like that has that has been a really uh, good boon for people across geographies because now uh like the cost of connecting to a different person a stranger has basically reduced to zero and that yeah. opens up so many more uh opportunities for for both the person organizing the event as well as uh the person the people who are able to attend it yeah yeah, absolutely. And I don't want this to seem like I'm like knocking in-person events. I love being in person. I mean, I got my start at Meetup. Like that's all about being in person. Um, I, I just think for from a value standpoint, virtual has resonated with me a little bit more. Um, however, I, I think it's always great to like capitalize on connections you see in real life too. Like I, I still have like happy hours with my customers who live in Denver um, because, you know, we're humans. We need that in-person connection. Um, if not, we're just going to like completely lose our social ability and no one wants that. So <laughs> um, yeah, a blend is always great. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your job at Gather Round. So um, you are the head of community engagement. What do you do to uh, engage the community? Yeah, yeah. Um, so like I said, we're a very small team. So I'm right now like an individual contributor for community, um, which is, I will say there are more things that I haven't done yet that I'm excited to do than we have been able to do, uh, if that makes sense. But um, I, I would venture to say that's probably every community manager's uh, uh, perspective on their work. But um, so right now we are launching the Gather on Resource Groups, which I am ecstatic about. Um, and like I mentioned, those are small groups of people who use GatherRound um, that have like either the same role or the same challenges. Um, and we're just being really thoughtful about um, structuring a conversation for those people. Um, and we're kind of starting off with like a live event to get them all in the same room and get them excited about meeting each other. And then um, after that first live event, we're putting them in a Slack group all together so they can stay in touch. Um, there's a little bit of like uh, preparation from our end in terms of, you know, once we have them in the Slack community, it's really important to keep that conversation going. Um, so we're preparing, you know, at least one or two things to post in that group per week to make sure that they're still like getting value. And we're setting the expectation about um, like how often they'll be meeting live. Um, and I, I think this is one actually really important thing for folks who are newer in community to understand. Um, you can do as much programming as you want to, um, based on what you think is right, but you will never be more successful unless you ask your community what they want before you actually do the programming. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I would highly recommend like, as you're starting your, your community program, or even just like thinking about starting one, start with customer interviews as many as you can possibly do, uh, that feels like feasible for your, your time. Um, so in this case, like we, we had the first live event and we put like a couple polls at the end of the event to say like, okay, you've met each other. It's clear that you like each other. How do you want to stay connected? And so we let them choose the platform that we like, let them stay connected in, um, or enabled them to stay connected in. And then and the they second chose poll, like the Exactly. Yeah. Well, we actually did um, like Slack, LinkedIn group or no preference. Um, it's and most people will have no preference, but in the case that they don't, it's, you know, really important to know that. Um, I, I think, I mean, Slack is my personal favorite because 
for at least for our customers, we're already meeting them where they are. Like they're already using Slack for work. And so it's not um, a big ask to get them to use Slack to connect with us as well. Um, which I think is another like best practice is like meet your people on the platforms they're already on as much as you possibly can. Um, and then the second poll we asked is how often do you want to meet live? Um, because I, I think a lot of community managers and I've certainly fallen into this, um, this problem. It's like you host events too often. And so they become not special anymore. Um, and people are like, oh, I missed this one this month, but I know there's going to be another one the next month. Whereas if you have them once a quarter or however often your community wants, then they see them as like this special thing that doesn't happen very often. So they need to prioritize it. Um, so all that to say, um, they chose once a quarter, which we're super happy with. And um, we'll continue to develop each of these groups. We just started our first one, which was for intern programs. Um, and then we'll go on to do the onboarding GRG and then LND, uh, DEI, um, like other niche pockets of the community. Like this, uh, thank you so much for diving deep into what your recent product has been. Um, I'm gonna uh, ask you a follow-up question there. So uh, you said that about uh, creating these groups, you are um, you're trying to you know uh, curate them and uh, you know based on what they're working on, their roles and the challenges that they're facing. So um, what is the, the work required to put that together? Like, are you uh, just looking at every person who is uh, in this group and uh, manually, uh, you know, finding who is uh, going to fit? And then you're also uh, like putting together like questions that should they should be talking about. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, sort of. So, um, so basically we took, um, a list of our most active community members. Um, and like I said, I'm still talking to a lot of the community on a daily basis. Um, and so I was, you know, in a good position to know who was most likely to come and also like familiar enough with our most active customers that I knew what they were doing on gather on and what their use cases were. Um, so again, like it kind of goes back to just knowing your community super well, um, and understanding, you know, where the commonalities are in them, um, enough to, to like create these sub communities, uh, that will get value from each other. And then from there, um, when we invited them to this first live virtual event, uh, we actually asked them to, when they RSVP'd and like chose the time that they could come to send back a question that they wanted to, uh, talk about with that group, like that community. Um, and so, not only was I saving myself a lot of time uh, by getting the questions from them to actually make up the content of the event, uh, but they were guaranteed to see value in coming because they knew what they were going to talk about. Um, and for, for those who have used GatherOnd, you know you can build out your own conversation. For those who haven't, essentially what I was doing is taking those questions that they sent back to me um, and creating facilitation prompts in their breakout rooms. Um, so that's what the community was discussing when they went into smaller groups together. I like this. I like this strategy. So um, tell me, how are you uh, reasoning about the um, the ROI of this uh, this uh, event, like on the on the business? What will it help you do as the business? Yeah, great question. Um, and I I think it like gets into one of the hardest things about community management is. Uh, attributing success on your, you know, your platform or your product to community activity. 
um, I, I would bet that like almost any community professional would say that's one of the biggest challenges of their job. Um, so all that to say, please pay attention to it as you're starting out because it will impress the people above you way more than you think it will. Um, so for us, uh, right now we have a lot of enterprise customers and those are people on an annual plan for Gatherround. Um, and essentially what we're trying to do is just make sure that they renew. Um, so our, our main goal with community activity is retention for, uh, annual plans. Um, I, I can like get into nitty gritty, but like that is the definitely like the, the driving factor. Um, and we also have realized that word of mouth marketing works significantly better for us than anything else so far. Um, so we're also going to be putting a lot of effort into making sure that the people who are really active in our community also know how to promote Gatheround um, in a way that is also valuable for them. So that will probably look like a referral program in the future. Um, we haven't gotten that far, to be honest, but um, that that's going to be a big factor for us is understanding, um, I guess that hypothesis there is if you're involved in our community, that means that you are bought in enough to gather on to also refer it to people in your network uh, that you think would also benefit from gather on. Right. That sounds like a great strategy because um, like people who are already, uh, you know, you're selecting the most engaged members into the gather around community. So uh, chances are that they will want to uh, promote. They love using Gather Round, and um, yeah, just uh, helping them, equipping them with the uh, the ports and the um, like, how to promote Gather Round to other people and incentivizing them for that. Um, it can just like that's a really solid uh, value that the community can provide right off the bat to the business. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think a lot of people, or I, I don't know if this is true, but for for us it just makes so much more sense to, um, you know, do marketing on this flywheel versus a funnel. Um, sorry, I'm getting into like sales language, but, um, I, I think tell me about this. What do you mean by, uh, Marketing as a yeah, kind of I will be totally honest. I just learned about it pretty recently, so I'm not going to do an amazing job of explaining it, but essentially a funnel, um, in sales is when you have, um, a ton of like lead generation tools, whether that's like, uh, you know, like pop-up ads on LinkedIn or Google or wherever, um, or like cold emails, like there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. Uh, but every one that those channels touch is at the top of your funnel. So they like at least know about your product. And then as the funnel goes down, those people who are like at the bottom of the funnel are a lot more interested and have like gone through different channels in your marketing to actually get to the place where they're about to buy your product. Um, with a flywheel, so it's very like top down basically. Um, with a flywheel, you're actually using your existing customers to bring other people into the flywheel and get them excited rather than have like a bunch of people at the top of the funnel. You'll probably have fewer, but they're much easier to convert because they trust the person who has referred your product to them. Um, and so you're cutting out a lot of uh, unqualified leads and you're also probably spending less, um, on your, your marketing channels because you're using the customers that you already have to be advocates for you. All right. 
this is very insightful thank you so much for telling us uh, about oh, yeah. your work yeah at, uh, gather on um now I, I, uh, yeah no one other thing about our like current community programming our intention is to bring everyone in the gather on customer base into the community um, but I do think for a lot of programs, it makes sense to start with like a niche part, um, of your like most active, uh, community members because one, cause they're the people who are going to be the most engaged and get the community started on a really great foot. Um, but then they also kind of like to the point of, you know, the flywheel versus the funnel, they're going to start to bring people in who they really trust. Um, and it starts to grow a little bit more organically versus you just putting a bunch of program out excuse me, you just putting a bunch of programming out there and um, seeing, you know, the people who are most impacted by it. Uh, it takes the guesswork out of your programming a little bit. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, now let's take a little seg segue here and uh, I'm going to pass the mic on to Piyush for uh, a little uh, rapid fire type of game that he has prepared. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Bish. Marcy. The game we're going to play is called Routine Roulette. What we're going to do is I'm going to call out some times of the week and you tell me what you might be doing around that time. So, oh, basically, through this, <laughs> yeah, so basically through this game, we want to give the listeners a feel of uh, what a week is like in your shoes. So okay. uh, does that sound good? Uh, yeah, wait one second. Sorry, my dog is coughing in the background, but yes, that sounds great. Okay, yes. <laughs> Okay, so let us begin with the first day of the week. It's Monday. It's 9.30 on a Monday. What are you up to? Ooh, I am looking at all of the sauna boards that our team uses, and I'm prioritizing for the week. Oh, so uh, is that a team uh, activity? Oh, sorry. Yes, Asana is our project management tool. Uh, so like all of our projects live there, and then the tasks that we need to do to um, to complete those projects. And so a lot of them have like inboxes and those are like our backlogged tasks. And I'll go through those and see like, okay, what makes sense to complete this week? Um, and then later that morning, probably around 10 a.m., um, I'll have like a strategy session with other people on the gather on team to make sure that those are the right things to tackle. Okay. And now it's Wednesday. It is say 3 p.m. on a Wednesday. What are you up to? Ooh. I'm probably one of two things. I'm either giving, I, I'm meeting with a customer and um, going over their quarterly review, uh, which is basically like going over all the ways they use GatherOnd in that quarter and like strategizing what they're going to do the next quarter. Um, or... I am building out a gather on conversation for one of our gather on resource groups. Okay. I didn't expect it to be so specific. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about my calendar this week. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's great. That's good. Or, or I'm taking my dog for a walk because breaks are important when you work for home. Yeah. 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 Cool. Good. It's Thursday. It's, 9 p.m. I'm on my couch watching TV. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's almost bedtime. Um, that or I am having a wine night with some of my neighbors who live in my apartment building. Wow. 
Okay. And moving on to the last day of the week. It's Friday and you're about to end your work. What are you, what's the last thing you work on for the week? If, if that's the last day of your week, like. Ooh. Um, yeah, actually Fridays are my favorite day of the week. I'm sure they're most people's favorite day of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're my favorite because our team mostly just does internal meetings on Fridays. So I have like one-on-ones with almost everybody um, at Gatheround. Um, so I'm essentially just like, we're talking about work, of course, but we're also like connecting as like friends and humans. Um, so that day is typically like really uplifting for all of us because we just get to like connect with each other and remind ourselves how awesome our team is. Um, so I always end the week on a high note. Wow. That's amazing. I guess that was a good game. (laughs) Those are great (laughs) questions. I've never been asked something like that before. I loved it. (laughs) Yeah, this was great. This was fun to uh, listen to uh, what your uh, typical week looks like. (laughs) Okay, uh, now... I I think that's mostly what I do, but yeah, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, now let's talk about uh, your career pivots and how you've, uh, you know, broken into different roles that you have uh, worked at. So... um, Let's start with Gather Round. Uh, tell us the story of how you got the job at Gather Round. Yes. Um, was it? Yeah, let me, sorry, I'm getting my thoughts together. Um, so I, like I mentioned, I started using Gather Round while I was working at Fiverr. Um, like, I don't want to exaggerate, but like literally the day that everything went into uh, lockdown, I demoed the Gather Round platform and it was, it was, bizarre how it came about because my current boss like saw a tweet that one of his friends had like reposted or something and it was this like tiny tiny startup called Gatheround um and at the time like everyone in the community industry was like scrambling to figure out how how they were going to you know flip their programs on their head to be completely virtual um we definitely use like Zoom webinar and some like more classic tools for that um, but I demoed Gather Island in like March of 2020. Um, the person who was doing the demos at the time is our CEO, Lisa Khan, um, and just like instantly fell in love with her. She's such a fantastic person. Um, and yeah, started using it almost immediately for our community. And I developed like a really close relationship with multiple people on their team, mostly because I was just willing to give product feedback, uh, which I definitely recommend for anybody looking to like work for a tool that they're super passionate about. Um, just like say yes when they ask for stuff from the community, <laughs> um, cause it gives you more face time with their team and it helps you build relationships. But at that time I was not like, you know, egging to work for them or anything, Uh, But as I got closer to the product and I started to really enjoy like planning events on Gatheround for the Fiverr community, um, it kind of like started clicking for me that maybe this is like a good next step. Um, And so honestly, this part was luck, but they started hiring about a year after um, I started using Gatheround and um, it was a really like natural conversation to be like, hey, do you have any 
roles that might, you know, fit my skill set. Um, and by that point, Lisa and I were so close that we ended up like writing a job description together and, um, wow. that became my job, which, yeah, it was it <laughs> honestly felt like a fairy tale when it was happening. Um, I, I feel it was a great mix of like luck in the timing, but also, um, you know, building that connection and, um, you know, giving my time for product feedback and all that, like really paid off in that case. All right. This, this must have felt so good. Like you're writing your job description. <laughs> it, it really did. And <laughs> it was, um, it was funny because I mean, startups are so volatile as anyone knows who's worked for one. Um, and so I can honestly say that I've done everything on that job description and probably parts of 17 other job descriptions. So I, I do think like when you are, especially for community managers, cause you really never know what your community is going to ask you for or throw at you. Um, don't expect to do your job description every day. Like it's going to be different. Um, and I, I think like one of the best skills that you can have as a community professional is adaptability um, because your community is going to like ask you questions that you don't know how to answer and give you feedback that you're not sure how to translate to other parts of the company um, and you just got to be ready for it. Right. Um, this, is, this is very interesting because you said that um, you were doing like so many other things that were not a part of your job description and um, you I know that uh, this is not your first rodeo at a such an early stage startup. So um, uh, you must be very uh, familiar with doing things outside of your job description. Does it ever get like, um, I don't know, frustrating to have like uh, so many things on your plate? First of all, that's one of my favorite phrases, not your first rodeo. I think it's so <laughs> funny. Um, uh, not really. I, I mean, I, I don't want to sugarcoat it. Like it's sometimes I'm there's definitely the feeling of like, oh, I just want to like build out this community program. I wish that was my only focus. However, I do think that doing a lot of different pieces of, of work or a lot of different, um, ha having a lot of different focuses in your role um, allows you to understand more deeply different parts of the business that you typically wouldn't get um, like visibility into. And mm -hmm. I think that actually like, significantly helps your ability to build for your community. Um, for instance, like I'm talking to the product team constantly, and that's not something that I've had the opportunity to do at other jobs because they or other companies because they were a bit bigger. Um, and so because I understand the product team's uh, perspective and brain so well, I'm able to um, translate the community's feedback to them a lot more effectively. Um, and so even though like, yes, some of the things I do are not in a typical, like head of community engagement job description, it's actually helping me be better at my job. Um, so it's hard to be too frustrated with it. <laughs> I like this. So you're overall, you're like, um, glad that you're able to, uh, step out of your, uh, job description and, uh, have your hand in multiple, uh, experiences. Yeah, I do. I do think so. Um, and I think especially like as you are thinking about, you know, and I, I'm, I'm so happy to gather on, but like the, the next thing, whatever that is in the future, um, I will be able to like lean on that experience with like 
you know, translating product feedback and also being part of enterprise customer conversations and also like helping build out our sales funnel um, to hopefully like leverage that into a promotion in my next job because I understand like more than just the community side of things. Um, so I would definitely say like, even if you are solely focused on community, like still take opportunities that come to you um, to understand different teams and different parts of the business too. Right. I, I really agree and resonate with this because I feel that is one of the best parts of working at a, such an early stage startup that since you're able to gather so much of experience, you're able to just um, like accelerate your career far beyond what you would at a typical like big company. Yeah. Helps. I mean, especially if you're young in your career, it helps you grow up faster too. People are throwing things at you that you have no idea how to handle and you figure it out and that makes you better. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Right. And um, okay. Uh, so you have, uh, you, you were using meetup.com and then you started working there. Then you were using GatherRound and you started working there. So yeah. um, you talk to me about finding jobs at companies whose product you love using. Like how can people do that and why should they think of doing that? Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I'm one of those people who like needs to feel, feel that. I need to feel fulfillment in my job to feel like fulfilled as a person. Um, I don't think that is true for everyone. Um, but I, I think it is becoming more true the, you know, the more we work and especially with work from home, it feels like your job is part of your life. Um, and so anyways, so I, I think that if you're already using a platform or a product and you love it, that probably means that you would be an excellent advocate for that platform or product. Um, and so it, it, that will come a lot more natural to you if you're already genuinely excited about it. And so for me, um, I, like you said, I was using Meetup at the time that I started working for them. Um, and it was kind of a thought process of like, I, I was I was really happy with the people that I was working with in my current job, um, but not necessarily like what we were working towards. Um, but at the time I was doing a lot of networking because I was in like a sales and customer success role and I was using Meetup for that. And so um, when I started thinking about what I liked most about my current role, it was actually connecting with people and like building a community in Atlanta that I could lean on for professional help. Um, and or help, help growing my professional skills. And, um, so when I, I was thinking about like what I wanted to do next, I was like, Oh, I just want to like connect with people. I just want to like help people find their like passions and their, their like communities, but that doesn't really sound like a job. Right. Um, but it was, and, um, I, I kind of was like thinking of that and looking at meetup at the same time. And as it just kind of clicked, like they probably have jobs, like someone has to keep this site going. Um, and so I ended up taking a role there that, um, was honestly like a bit of a pay decrease. Um, and it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. It was a support, um, a support team member. So I was essentially just like answering questions that, um, organizers like wrote in with on the platform, whether it was like tech issues or just advice or whatever. Um, <clears throat> again, not my dream job. 
but I knew that it was going to expose me to like an ecosystem of community organizers that I really wanted to be closer to. Um, so I ended up taking that job, moving to New York, and um, I worked in that role for about nine months before they built out their community team. Um, and because I'd already worked there for nine months and knew the platform so well, um, it was a really easy transition to make a case for myself to be on that community team. Um, yeah, which I think you know, again, part of that was like timing and a little bit of luck, but I also think that I put myself in a position to be ready for that, um, by doing something that I wasn't so crazy about for almost a year. Um, but I, I think part of, you know, getting to where you want to be is just putting yourself in the right place and developing the skills that you want to have to like use in a job that you love, even if you're not already in that job that you love. Love, this is such good advice. Um, tell me, uh, like, can you double click on why customer support was not the right career for you? Uh, because um, this is uh, like for people outside the community industry, like it can often feel like hey, community is like you're supporting customers and it's the same thing. But um, tell me, like, how is this role of building communities different from the, uh, the role of customer support? Yeah. Yeah, I will say customer support is an amazing like stepping stone um, for community folks because um, it, it teaches you how to write excellent, excellent emails, uh, which believe it or not is like more often than not what I'm doing a lot of the day. Um, and it also teaches you how to be patient. It teaches you how to talk with people from all different aspects of your community. Um, there's so many great like skill sets in there. Um, for me, it wasn't the right thing because I love to talk, if you haven't <laughs> noticed, um, and that was mostly a, uh, like, email support role, so I really wanted to be, like, out, like, actually having conversations with people and understanding, like, why they wanted to build their communities. I'm, like, a big why person, um, and that's not, like, you know, our, our goal was to answer their questions and, like, close those conversations. Um, I prefer like more of a relationship building role. Um, and so that's more of what I did in my next role, which was um, like really understanding the needs of the communities or the community members and building for them. Right. right. Um, all right. Uh, let's, let's segue into another game that uh, Piyush has prepared for us. <laughs> okay. Okay. For this game, uh, I'm going to ask you for some advice. I'll be a 20 year old, fresh out of college, just graduated, and I'm going to present some scenarios where uh, I'm stuck. And I want you to tell me what I should do in that situation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So as a graduate with no experience, what would be better for me, a first a first job that is fully remote or uh, an in-person role? Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. I I don't want to be a hypocrite and say in person, but I kind of think in person. I'm fully remote, and you know our entire team is, but. I think when you're in person, there is a much higher likelihood they are exposed to other teams and other people. 
Um, <clears throat> I, I will caveat by saying, I think that that's mostly the fault of companies for not doing a great job of, uh, like introducing their new hires to people in the broader company. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's easier to get out there when you're like in front of someone's face rather than like asking them for a 30 minute zoom call. Hmm. Okay. That clears some things up. And <laughs> I don't, I, I, however, yeah. I don't think it's impossible um, to like get plugged in, in a virtual atmosphere. I think it takes a lot more effort and, um, extroversion though. Uh, so depending on the type of person you are, it could be totally fine to take a virtual role, but I think it's probably like easier to take an in-person role. Hmm. Got it. What I focus more on applying for 10 jobs or fo focusing on that one job that I really want. Focusing on the one job, 100%. I think if you know what to do to get it um, and you're, you're like crafty about it, you have, an, you have a better chance than you think you do. Okay. What do you mean by uh, crafty? Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was like, that would require some follow-up. Um, so I think that a lot of people will just like throw their resume at 15 jobs and I like to be fair, that is how a lot of websites and like LinkedIn and all of those, that's how they're set up. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, however, I think if you're taking time to reach out to two or three people that would be on your future team, um, even if you don't have like connections to that company, you're going to most likely connect with at least one of those people because if they're hiring for their own team um, or if they know that their team is hiring, they don't, they want someone cool to join their team, you know, like they're part of the vetting experience. Um, so, and they might have a referral bonus that they can give you too. So, um, if you then become a referral instead of just a normal applicant, you're already at the top of the pile and they are in your corner because they want the referral bonus too. Um, that's what I did at meetup and it worked out super well. Um, I forgot to add that story in there, but, um, yeah, I think like, taking time to learn as much as possible about that company, reach out to people, even if it's just for like a 15 minute informational call, um, that's going to give you uh, like insider info about the company to then put in your application and make you a much stronger candidate. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for the follow-up, Nadesh. <laughs> I know about a role, I mean, I have a dream role and I know about a company whose mission I really care about. What should I do? Like, should I go for a dream role at a company that I don't care about? Or I should go for a role at a company whose mission I really care about, but the role is not my dream role. Mm. I think you should always apply for the company that you really care about, but that is a, a matter of timing. It's also a matter of, um, you know, current fit, I think. And also like a lot of times companies you super care about might be like a nonprofit or a startup and they like, you know, circumstance wise, maybe you need like a bigger salary at that time in your career. Um, so I'm never going to say like, 
definitively one or the other. It really depends on your circumstances. However, um, I do think that no matter what, you should start actually using that platform in earnest and be a part of their community. Um, even if you're not ready to apply for a role there, like you still have like that connection. So when you do see the perfect role come up, um, you're ready. Like you, you know, everything about them already. You've made connections there, you know, their community team. Um, so it becomes a lot more likely that the timing works out for you in that case. But that's awesome advice, Marcy. Back to you, Natish. Well, I feel like this interview is so densely packed with advice. Thank you so much for yeah. giving us I such hope good it's advice. Not too much. <laughs> no, it's great. It's like, uh, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> okay, uh, now talking about advice, like let's jump into the final section where I, uh, I will ask you for tips, resources, and advice. Um, so, one of the things that uh, I've understood that you're really big on is networking. So, um, what uh, what does your networking process look like? Mm-hmm. Um, my networking process, that's a great question. Um, it first, when I was younger, when I was like just starting out in my career, it was, um, it was a lot of not letting go of people that I met, not in a scary way. That sounds like, <laughs> that sounds stalkery, but, um, really just like when I met a person who had a career that I wanted to emulate, I remained close to them. And I made sure that I was providing value to them. Um, I I think a lot of, like, this is classic advice, but I think a lot of younger people think that they can't like offer their mentor anything. Um, And so they feel like they're just like taking, taking, taking. And I really don't think that's true. Like you can, like, for example, you asked me at the start of this podcast, like what I wanted to promote today. Um, And that's a really excellent example of like, a um, like symbiotic relationship. And I think you should try to do that with every single relationship that you are building. Um, So, you know, even if I'm like talking to someone who has 20 years more experience than I do, I'm asking them like what they want to promote or like what their challenges are. Cause I probably have at least like, you know, one piece of advice that I can give them that's going to be totally different from their perspective. Um, So anyway, so when I was younger, it was definitely like, um, sticking close to people that I admired. Um, when I was like a little bit further into my career, it was, um, a little bit more natural because a lot of community professionals, um, work with each other constantly by nature of the industry. So we're constantly trying to like, um, give our community more opportunities, which often looks like partnering with other communities to, like introduce them to each other or to like share guest speakers or something like that. So then it became really easy. I was just like constantly meeting like community partnerships managers, um, who had similar roles to me. Um, and now it's honestly my community. Like I view my community as my network uh, and by my community, I mean the gather on community, but also like all the people that I've worked with in my past, like three or four jobs, Um, I, I'm a big believer in like, never burn a bridge. I don't care how bad your career situation is right now. Like leave on a good note, um, because you never know when your old coworkers are going to show up in a job interview that you really, really want, or, um, you know, maybe they start a really cool podcast and they want to interview you. Like there, there's so many different opportunities that people can give you. Um, and 
you want to, you want them to smile when they see your name on an email or on LinkedIn or something like that. That's, that's kind of my goal now is just to make sure that I'm, um, like always providing value to my connections and, um, making sure that they know that I'm a resource for them and vice versa. Right. This is fascinating. Um, especially the part where you said that, um, there are young people, uh, feel that they have nothing to give to their, um, say mentors. I have definitely, uh, felt that way. And, um, yeah, what you said that, uh, that made sense. Uh, like, can you speak about some of the ways that you did it? Like actually did it, uh, when you were younger or even you're doing it now? Yeah. Um, let me think of some of the people that I, sorry, one sec. Yeah, take your time. Yeah, okay. Um, so I think one, one person that stands out to me is a woman named Laura. Sosha, and I will be honest, I haven't talked to her in like 15 years. If she ever listens to this, hi, Laura, uh, you were a wonderful mentor in my life. Um, but she really took me under her wing because at a certain point in my early career, I thought I wanted to go into L&D, uh, like learning and development. And um, she kind of just like told me everything she knew about breaking into that industry. Um and we would meet for coffee, we would meet for lunch, like it wasn't anything, like we were working together, um, but I think she appreciated those meetings as much as I did, because she was like, one, she was reflecting back to me everything she'd learned, which I think is a really important part of mentoring that not a lot of people talk about. Like you, as the mentor, are getting to like relearn everything that you learned, because you're talking about it again. Like you might be like resurfacing things in your brain that you haven't thought of in like 15 years. And you're like, oh, I haven't thought about that in a while. Like I need to take my own advice. Um, so I, I could tell like she got a lot of energy from those conversations, um, but she was also learning from me what young people wanted from careers. Um, so I was telling her everything I wanted in like a team culture, everything I wanted in like early career development. Um, and that was helping her like build her team culture in a way that was attractive to younger talent. Um, so I think that that was, that was like one relationship that I really appreciated. Um, another is with, um, a meetup organizer named Jean Lavalley. Um, I will definitely send this podcast link to her. Um, she built out a women's networking, um, association, excuse me, she built out a women's networking association in Chicago called WESOS uh, that is now like 19 chapters or something amazing. Um, and she and I, she, she definitely started out in a mentor role for me. Um, I was actually her community manager at Meetup. Um, so in, in that way, like that relationship was very symbiotic because I was giving her like this title of city organizer for Chicago um, which like obviously put her in a position of like authority in the Chicago area and like framed her as this like fantastic community builder that she was. Um, but she was also teaching me a ton. Um, she was actually the first person to ever train me how to use Zoom, which looking back, I think is hilarious. <laughs> that was in like 
I don't know, 2018 maybe, which is not that long ago. But um, it'd be funny yeah. if she uh, jumped into gather round and you're training her to use gather round. I, I have. I trained her how to oh, use you gather. Have. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, and so so now um, it's just this funny thing where we like kind of riff off each other on how to build community because we've both been a part of so many. Um, so I think that the, the other piece of that advice is like, even if your mentor is just mentoring you right now, eventually you're going to have a ton of skills to give back to them too, if that relationship persists past a couple of years. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's, it's, there's always a give and a take. Uh, you just have to find it. I like this advice um, because uh, a lot of times like people focus on um, reaching out to new people and like expanding their network and less on nurturing the existing relationships. And it mm -hmm. seems like you are, uh, you're focused on nurturing the existing relationships as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's so important. I mean, it's kind of like making a new friend versus an old friend. Like the, the new friend is going to be fantastic, but there's a history with that old friend of like 10 years where you can look back on experiences together and share what you learned. And um, there, there's just nothing like developing that like previous relationship and taking it to places that it hasn't been before. Um, I, I think that's really special. And it, it also just like, it, um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that one, but yeah, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the final question on the topic of networking. Um, so in order to nurture your uh, existing relationships, do you have a process for like reaching back out to like old contacts, like on a, I don't know, quarterly, yearly basis and just saying hi? It's so hard. I'm going to be totally honest with you. It is really hard to keep up with a network. Um, most of mine, I'll be totally honest, is um, like I, I'm pretty active on tools that will help remind me to reach out to certain people. Um, like LinkedIn is the honestly the best example I can think of. Um, I am a pretty avid LinkedIner uh, when it comes to like at least connecting with people because that's going to show me who's posting a lot. That's going to keep people top of mind for me. Um, it also shows people like where I am. So if they need anything, they know like, oh, she works at gather rounds now, like maybe they're hiring or like, she probably has an excellent, like HR community network. Um, so I can reach out to Marcy for like HR jobs. Um, so I think like, I, I don't think that's cheating by any means, but it is a way to, um, to keep people top of mind a little bit easier. Um, I have like, I definitely have friends who have like the quarterly schedule though with certain people. I'll be honest, I'm just not that organized, but <laughs> but I do really respect people who put that much time and effort into it. All right, that was great. Um, okay, different question. Um, in a job interview, why do you feel it's important to ask questions to the interviewer as well? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm very passionate about this. So when you're interviewing, um, no matter if it is a job that you are dying to get or one that is basically just like interview practice for you, um, one come like, come way too prepared. Um, because again, like it's one of those burning bridges things. Like if you see this interviewer at a different company and for a different role, like 10 years down the line, you want them to remember you and think that you're the best thing ever. Um, 
but if, you know, regardless if it's a, a job that you really, really want, um, you want the interviewer to feel like you're vetting them as much as they're vetting you. Um, not in a way where you're like, oh, you need, like, I deserve this job, but you're like, you're being curious, you know, um, you want them to know that you were like dying to know the ins and outs of their company and like what this role is all about. Um, so I highly recommend like having at least two or three questions that you feel super strongly about. Um, if you have them going into the interview, that's great. If they like come up during the interview, um, you can always like pivot, but I, I definitely recommend like having a couple of questions on hand that you feel really excited to ask. Um, that will, again, let them know that you are curious, you're like hungry to learn more about their company culture and actual role. Um, and I, I usually recommend, especially for community professionals, to ask at least one question about um, how the community team is cross-functional. Um, I think depending on the answer of the person who's interviewing you, it can tell you a lot about how community is valued in that company. Um, community teams that are siloed have a really hard time uh, because like product isn't listening to them or they're not getting budget or marketing isn't taking them into account. Um, but community teams that have really strong cross-functional relationships are typically viewed in like a higher light and they have, have a lot more resources and assistance from other parts of the company to be successful. Great practical advice. Um, okay, next question. What resources have you used to uh, level up your community building game? Yeah, um, I, I love this question because I think it's so important to like have net, like already built networks to lean on. Um, especially if you're just starting out. So two of the Slack groups that are my favorite are um, Community Club, and that's run by Comsor. Um, and then Comex has one, and I'm blanking on the name. It might just be called, called Comex Slack. Um, but both of those are like filled with literally thousands of community managers who are asking each other questions, like gathering resources, um, there's a ton of jobs that are posted on there. So if you are looking for, for jobs, that's a great job board. Um, two of my favorite um, newsletters that I love are, or, excuse me, uh, Noelle Flowers newsletter. Um, look her up on LinkedIn and like ask her for the link. Um, she's awesome. She's a community consultant. So she just like goes into companies and, and helps them start their community um, strategy. Uh, but her newsletter is like full of really practical like templates and uh, community frameworks and all that good stuff. And then um, Sarah Griesdorf works for Squarespace on their community. And she has recently started a newsletter that I'm absolutely in love with. It's like really quirky and fun, but also super practical and um, shares like, especially for like younger community professionals, it's a perfect one to start with. Um, and she's also just like an amazing person and she is doing a fantastic job with the Squarespace community. Wow. Shout out to Noel and Sarah. Uh, we'll link yeah. to all of their <laughs> newsletters in the show notes. <laughs> okay. Uh, final question of the interview, Marcy. Um, if there's one action that you would recommend the listeners to take after listening to this episode, what would it be? That's such a hard question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's um to, uh, to like make it less hard. Uh, if there's one action that the listener could take, like tomorrow, uh, so it doesn't have to be like a, a huge, like big thing, but a small thing. Yeah, 
I'll say two. So if, if you, if you're looking for your first community job right now and you're like having trouble getting experience, just go volunteer somewhere. Um, that's one of the things that I think is invaluable. And one of the reasons I felt so confident going into my first community role is because I had been organizing events for years, just not as a job. It was always for philanthropy or, um, you know, um, my college, whatever. Um, but I think just like starting to build those skills, whether it's part of your, your job description or not, um, is going to make you better in interviews when you're going for your first community role. Um, no matter who you are, I think just re like make a list of, I don't know, three to five people that you haven't talked to in like over a year that you really admire and you want to stay in touch with and shoot them a LinkedIn message or an email tomorrow. Um, I, I have always found that people are more gracious than I think they're going to be. Um, and they really want to hear from you. And so, um, to your point that, yes, like I don't have a great system of keeping up with my network, but I wish I did. And I do think that keeping up with people that you admire is one of the most important things you can do for yourself, um, to keep learning and like keep growing. So yeah, those are my two. <laughs> that's great, Marcy. Uh, I think this episode was so full of actionable insights. Like it, it might be the best episode that I've done on this podcast. So, um, thank oh, you I'm so blushing. much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, really like, uh, this, this, this was a really action packed and, uh, like so full of advice so thank you so much for joining us and uh giving us your full self here <laughs> thank you no it was so fun i really appreciate both of you for for starting this